If you're looking for a career in deploying LT HetNet networks, today's your lucky day. We have experts in site acquisition and engineering on the show. Before we get started, however, let's hear for a word from our sponsors, Telecom Careers and Comscope. Comscope, thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Thanks for joining this week's Inside Telecom Careers. Today, we're going to be reviewing the process and roles required to build and design an LT macro network, as well as a small cell and DAS networks. Our guests today include Patty Ringo, who's a right-of-way regulatory and site acquisition expert. And we also have Don Bach, who's VP of Engineering with uh, SAC Wireless. Uh, Patty and Don, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Why don't we dive in? Patty, uh, you and I have known each other for probably five or six years, and uh, you've been a real leader in California nationally. Uh, walk us through your career and, and how you got to the position you're in today with Davy Resource Group. Okay. Uh, basically, I started on the carrier side many, many years ago um, in the network engineering group and was able to understand how uh, networks worked and a little bit about the RF engineering and, and that sort of thing, which led me into, um, in the late 90s, fraud was a very big problem uh, for the carriers. And so I got involved in that. Um, and that led me kind of into the more cutting edge of technology for the wireless industry. And I ended up on the deployment side for specialty projects, um, including specialty antennas, which eventually kind of turned into the whole DAS thing. So I've spent the, probably the last 10 years of my career working more on the right-of-way side. Um, I've done my fair share of macro, but more on the right-of-way side with DAS networks and deploying them. Yeah, but early on you were with Crown Castle uh, on their early DAS deployments in Extinet. Can you talk a bit about some of your roles at those companies? Yes. Um, in the early days of DAS, you kind of picked it up and did everything. So I did everything from uh, the site acquisition zoning all the way through the construction management and getting it on there and turning it over to operations. And that was uh, the Crown Castle days. Since then, much like the net the macro side of the house, um, things have gotten more specialized and a lot more segregated. So by the time I got over to Extinet Systems, I was really concentrated on community affairs, anything having to do with zoning, permitting, um, and we supported the implementation team out in the field, but for the most part, it was you know the front-end processes as far as community relations. Okay. And now Davy Resource Group, that's a new change. Tell us about the company and uh, uh, what you're looking to do at Davy. Okay. Uh, Davy Resource Group has been a utility vendor for many, many years. They're about 135 years old and they have existing utility relationships that um, very few companies actually have. And it's because they are a division of the Davy Tree Company and have been working with utility companies for 100 years, literally 100 years. So um, there's a logical uh, marriage between what they do and what their expertise is in the asset management world and with what has happening in the telecommunications, the wireless industry as far mm -hmm. as small cell. So Davey is out helping 
um, the carriers with asset management and, and agreements within the right of way, which is kind of what's what leasing and zoning or leasing and site acquisition is all about in the right of way world is agreements with utility companies. Got it. Well, we're going to be talking about small cell right away acquisition uh, later in the show, but let's uh, turn it back to Don. Don, uh, kind of take us through your career leading up to your role today as VP of engineering at, at SAC Wireless. Sure, thanks. Um, in the 1980s, after I graduated from school, I went to work as a two-way radio technician here in the Chicago area. I did that for about eight years, and then our company was purchased by um, a company at that point called Fleet Call. Um, Fleet Call uh, was one of the founding uh, companies for Nextel. In 1994, I was recruited as a system performance engineer, and we did the IDENT deployments for Nextel here in Chicago. I stayed at uh, Sprint in a variety of RF engineering roles after the acquisition um, of Nextel by Sprint until 2007. And I took an early retirement and decided to start a small DAS and small cell installation and engineering company. Uh, SAC Wireless purchased that company in 2012 and uh, we're happy to be here at SAC. Currently, I'm the Vice President of Operations. About a third of my job is associated with um, engineering and, and designing of uh, heterogeneous networks. Another third is probably doing a little business development. And then, then again, the last portion of it is having uh, conversations like this one, which I enjoy thoroughly. Well, before we dive into the, um, the process of deploying networks, I wonder if maybe each of you could share with our listeners uh, kind of a pivotal point in your career where you felt like um, your career was able to go from one level to another. And, and what were some of the factors that had, uh, had influenced you and, and, and maybe mentored you along the way? So, Don, we'll, we'll start with you. Sure, uh, that's pretty easy. Uh, in a meeting in, in the original system performance group here in Chicago in 1998, our manager asked if anybody had ever used a BDA before, and I was the only one in the room who put his hand up. Uh, so he pointed at me and said, uh, you're our new in-building guy. And everybody else in the room went, yes, because they at that point, nobody thought in-building and DAS was going to turn into what it is now. We had no idea at that point uh, how the industry was going to evolve. Uh, and that's what I became mostly known for in those days back here in Chicago was deploying and, and designing and building systems. So thankfully that manager you know, asked that question and thankfully I raised my hand. Um, I owe a lot to that, that particular moment. And Patty, how about you? What's a, maybe a shared defining moment in your career? Um, I'd have to say it really was with the, the wireless fraud department, Then this is a long time ago, but um, it set me on a path of more of that cutting edge of technology as opposed to just typical site deployments. Um, and I think that that, because I understood, I was one of the few site act and zoning people, you know, site development people that understood how the networks worked. Um, I think that that has definitely shaped how my career has um, gone since that time. Got it. Well, uh, guys, let's, I'm going to pull up a, a slide that I put together based on a little help from a friend of mine uh, with Verizon that outlines the, the, the bigger steps in the network deployment process. Um, and let me just pull that up so you guys on the, on the screen can actually see it. Um, but what I'd like to do is get your feedback, uh, uh, Patty and Don, going through here. You know, what what am I missing? And uh, we'll just kind of add to this list. But as I understand it, uh, the deployment process really starts with the carrier identifying the search rings, and and uh, and and that 
that step is done by the performance RF engineers or the design RF engineers. And then that's turned over to a uh, the carrier real estate team who in turn outsources it to the site acquisition group. Uh, and Patty, we're gonna come back and talk specifically about site acquisition. And Don, I think you guys do a little site acquisition as well. Um, next, you have the location approved and the agreement gets signed. And that's generally taken care of by the in-house attorneys uh, with, inter, uh, with the site acquisition groups serving as intermediaries. And then the project management guys get involved. Um, at that point, you've got uh, system integrators for the most part that are hired by the carriers. And Don, I know you, you guys are turnkey site acquisition, but you also offer a la carte type services. And next, you get the equipment ordered, you get the construction engineers involved, somebody's got to order that, that, that backhaul that uh, can be particularly pro uh, problematic in small cells. And then um, uh, you've got to make sure that your RF guidelines are in accordance with the FCC OET 65 compliance regulations. Next, the cell operation technicians bring up the network. And finally, the uh, uh, performance engineering team accepts the network. So these are the big building blocks as I understand them, but uh, 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 Don, poke holes in this. What, what am I missing? Um, I don't think you're missing a lot. There are just some different flavors associated with each of these bullet points that you might want to discuss in more detail, perhaps in another webcast. Uh, the first thing is that search rings are, are, are polygons is what we're referring to them now as these days. Um, and they're more specific and they're becoming smaller. Uh, and, and the other thing about that is that uh, you don't really do that. You don't look for a search ring when you're doing an in-building small cell or DAS system. Your target area is already defined. Um, it's almost exactly the opposite uh, with, with the DAS system. You have a target area, you know where you're going to deploy the network. So site acquisition to some degree is a little bit simpler. Although you do end up having to sign leases with landowners and building owners uh, for the operation and maintenance of a system, uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier in that you don't have to go from candidate to candidate to candidate to do that. Mm -hmm. And Patty, as you look at this list, uh, are there major um, roles that I'm missing or, or we should uh, expand upon? Um, yeah. I don't think you're missing anything. Um, I think the order, I, I concentrate more on the outdoor side of DAS and small cell. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to note that while you're talking about uh, an outdoor network, your process is kind of in a different order. Um, the, the picking of the sites isn't done necessarily by a site acquisition team. They're done by an engineering and outside plant engineering team. And then your site act and zoning people will get involved on, on the back end. Um, in a macro situation, what you're looking at is your site act and zoning people will go out and pick that location, and then they come back through and uh, and have the engineering team design it. But it's a little bit backwards in the in the outdoor small cell arena. Okay, and how about the specific jobs involved in the process? Um, on the right column, I've, I've listed a few jobs, but what, what else are some of the, uh, what are some of the other critical roles that you see? And Patty, we'll start with you. Or um, in your experience over the years, what are some of the other more specific jobs uh, required to build these networks? Um, like I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, um, an outside plant engineer in DAS and small cell is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, they understand not only the, the right-of-way rules, but they understand the power company rules and 
and those are very important because it's all about the safety when you're talking about utility poles. Mm -hmm. so, and and for the most part, every you know NESC is the national standard, except for in California. But the national standard is the National Electrical State Safety Code. Uh, but each individual power company has their own stuff that they can put on top of that. And if it's a municipally owned situation, you have even more stuff that goes on top of that. So there's, you know, there's lots of rules and it's very regional. So I would say an outside plant engineer would be one of the ones on the right side that you'd want to add in. Yeah. Don, how about from your team uh, within the system integration side? Um, uh, everything that Patty just said is absolutely the case. And, and individuals who have all of those skills are, you, you don't just pick those kind of folks right out of college. Um, they they kind of they have to be grown and seasoned. And, and that's an, in, an industry problem actually, is getting the individuals in, into these roles that have the, the necessary skill sets to accomplish this. And I'm sure Patty knows this, um, but the site acquisition piece of, of this on the front end is perhaps the most expensive and certainly the most time consuming part of network deployments. And as I mentioned earlier when we spoke, the PCIA and the Innovation and Technology Committee, of which I'm proud to be a participant and, and author of a paper, uh, we're working to try and make regulatory reforms so that these things can be more expedient and less expensive, because we all know that the broadband crunch that's coming is, is going to be a tsunami, is the way it was put at uh, the uh, PCIA this year, and we're not in any way, shape, or form prepared. So the outside plant specialist is certainly one of those. And uh, alongside of those individuals, when we do these things, we, we, we try to keep our project managers involved from end to end. Um, even though the outside plant folks are indigenous and necessary in the front piece of this, and perhaps the back piece, you need some of that engineering expertise as well. The end to end project management to get these things done expediently and efficiently is I think the most important piece. Uh oh. It looks like we may have lost Jeff for a minute. Well, we should probably continue our conversation, Don. <laughs> It'll be back, I'm sure. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a, a great uh, opportunity for us to be uh, webcam hogs, I guess. But that's right. <laughs> I think that actually what you said is very true. Uh, we, we have different titles associated with the front end pieces here. Um, since we do just about everything at SAC, our project managers are the glue that holds it all together. Our RF engineers, our project managements, our, our, our guys, our construction management teams, our tower crews. You know, there are some projects, as you well know, that where you need every one of those pieces. And then it's up to our project managers to facilitate the handover from uh, in individual group to individual group in our, in our company, as well as deal with the customers and the finances of a job. Um, so it's, it's, I think, actually probably the most important role if you're building a cluster of sites or a cluster of sites that include a, a traditional macro site and some small cells as well, perhaps with a DAS. We've done all of those things before. It's, it's becoming more and more the flavor of the day um, where you're trying to not just build a single location, but a cluster. So, right. Jeff, did you make it back? Well, you know, fortunately I did. Um, uh, I'm glad you guys carried on. As it turned out, uh, my, my Comcast uh, internet connection failed me, but my trusty um, LT network saved me. So uh, uh, whoever built the network to support me on the beach of Topsail Beach, uh, 
uh, did their job. So uh, what I miss, guys? We, we uh, were talking a little bit more about the point that you uh, uh, raised just before you were um, off into the ether. So uh, I think we're good. Okay. Well, Patty, I do want to pick back up on your conversation about site acquisition. And, um, you know, arguably living in California, you're in one of the most challenging um, states for, for site acquisition right away uh, agreements. Can you maybe compare and contrast California to other dense markets you've worked in, uh, like Chicago or New York? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good point. Um, interestingly enough, though, you're, a lot of places are getting closer and closer to what California looks like lately. Um, and, and I think a lot of that does have to do with the differences between macro deployments and small cell deployments. In deploying a macro site, there's, you know, the process is a little bit more transparent to the general public because it's done through a community development department. Whereas with a small cell, oftentimes you're bypassing community development. You're going straight into a public works department where notice isn't necessarily given. So, and to top it all off, you're not at the local church steeple or the warehouse, you know, a half a mile or so away from somebody's house. You're oftentimes deploying things in front of their front window or next to a child's bedroom um, on utility infrastructure. And it gets people very upset and it gets them out talking. Um, they, they weren't planning on having something like that in their front yard and they come home from work one day and there's, you know, a construction project going on. So that bothers the general public and they've gotten very uh, good about, you know, getting with the neighbors and things like that to get out and talk. Um, it's still easier in the Midwest and, and in many parts back East, California has now put a lot of regulation in place. The local municipalities have required that you're not gonna bypass community affairs anymore and you have to go through a planning process. Mm -hmm. um, some of the other areas of the country are moving in that direction. Uh, I don't think it'll be ever quite as difficult everywhere else as it is out here, but um, they're definitely moving in that direction to get more notice to the general public, which I can't necessarily blame the general public for wanting to have more information on the upfront side of it. Um, what you will find in the Midwest, I think, as opposed to in California is, instead of being outright opposed to it, the public, what they want is they want a little bit of buy-in. They want to be able to say, okay, well, we're not going to oppose this if you'll, you know, make it a little bit prettier, so to speak, than you're planning on. So show me what it looks like and maybe we can help you, you know, make it, make it better looking for our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the biggest point um, of difference in California. They'll just outright oppose it, and it's a big issue. Yeah. And, Don, I know uh, you mentioned earlier today that SAC is one of the largest site acquisition firms in the country, which I did not know. Uh, what are your two cents on uh, comparing, contrasting, say, California to some of these new dense markets that uh, we're looking to fill in the caverns? Yeah, there's a, a wide variation, not only from state to state, but as Patty pointed out, from municipality to municipality, uh, depending on what government agencies you're dealing with in those municipalities, it can be a daunting process to get approval to the, to not just to deploy a small cell, but to make it deployable in such a way that it's efficient and that it's easy to maintain and operate. Um, I have a, a a short story I can tell about that. There's a city here in, in the Chicago suburbs 
uh, back in the latter part of 2002, 2003, we deployed an ODAS network as part of our uh, uh, necessity was driven uh, driven us to do that uh, uh, from the NIPSPAC rebanding when we were using um, uh, basically uh, public safety radio channels to operate the Nextel network. Um, so we ended up having to uh, uh, deploy ODAS networks here in the Chicago area to get our customer um, uh, service levels uh, maintained during that rebanding. So I had the opportunity to uh, um, uh, testify in front of several um, uh, local zoning and hearing commissions about these placements. And it was it was a very long process that ended up at one point uh, on the brink of litigation. So there are a lot of there are a lot of questions out there, not just from the public, but also from the uh, governing bodies and also within the industry um, about uh, these deployments that that have to be answered before you can actually accomplish them. And it can be time consuming. So we, we all, I think, would agree that some regulatory reform could help in this process. Yes, well, PCIA is working on that right now. And it's been uh, with the new FCC orders, that's going to help a little bit. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the actual role of site acquisition and right away expert. Um, how's that position changed over the years? And um, um, what kind of background is best suited to move into that type of role? I'm really glad you asked that question because I think that's, uh, I get asked that question a lot. Um, a lot of this, the traditional site acquisition process, in the early days, your site ac, uh, and zoning person was probably the same person. Um, it, and I'm talking, you know, 15 years ago. Over the years, those two roles have kind of split and become more specialized. Um, and the site acquisition piece in a right-of-way deployment is significantly different than it is uh, for, for a macro network. In a macro network, the site acquisition person is really the key. They're the linchpin. They go out, they find the site, they get that lease started, uh, and they're the ones that kind of are driving that. In the, uh, in the small cell and DAS world outdoor, you're talking about um, you know, an engineering team picking the site. Site acquisition is, has a different role. Um, and I think that to, in today's world, they don't necessarily are, aren't ready for it. Um, and so I talk a lot about this in my training classes. Uh, you cannot just go on a utility pole. There has to be some approval process and there has to be an agreement in place with the utility company that owns the pole. So your site acquisition person um, now move into a uh, a, a, a role that's something that they have probably no background in currently, which is an agreement with a utility company, an attachment agreement. Um, a lot of it will depend on attorneys and what have you, but the utility companies aren't necessarily interested in having you on their infrastructure. So it's important for that site acquisition person to um, be able to negotiate and understand what the rules are both locally and nationally in order to kind of guide the process and get that agreement signed and executed. Do you have to be a lawyer? Uh, no, I, I know people that are attorneys that do attachment agreements. Um, I know plenty of them that don't um, have a law degree of any kind. They typically tend to be older have been around a while, have worked in the um, utility industry probably, and maybe at one point were even you know, some type of outside plant engineering person. 
um, that's they could either be from the telephone company or the utility company. That's not to say that a site acquisition person who works in wireless today can't go out and learn this. It's a learned skill. They absolutely can go and learn it. Um, it's just a matter of, I think it's gonna be definitely more regional. You could probably take a site acquisition person from Chicago and send them to you know, Arkansas, New York, or Seattle, and they'd probably do fine. That's going to be a little bit harder in the utility world because everything is so very regional and every utility company has their own rules. Yeah. So, Don, how are you responding or how's SAC responding to this this change of role of, of, of someone who can work with utility companies on pole attachment agreements and really understand it's a different type of uh, a relationship you have to foster with a, a city, a municipality or a utility? We have a couple of means of, of dealing with that. First is training. Um, you know, the stark difference that Patty just talked about, if I can quantify it a little more, it used to be you, you'd run your backhaul to a point at a macro site. Now your backhaul is serialized probably along a, a trunk in a right-of-way to maybe uh, 5, 10, 12 small cells and possibly even a macro cell. Also backhaul in this, uh, in this industry is more and more being done with microwave now, which is another whole area that an outside plant engineer and upfront site acquisition specialist has to at least have some basic familiarity with. The second thing we've done here at SAC is our engine room product, and many people have heard about this. Um, it's an expedited uh, site to, uh, acquisition and, and AZP process that uses a team of people instead of just one. You know, we have in this team an outside plant expert, we have in this team a legal expert, we have in this team a, a, a someone with that, that background that Patty just described as a leader. And what we've discovered is that we can cut our site development costs to our customers by 20, 25% and get the, get the leases executed in, in, and on the books uh, as much as 50% faster, especially for site mods. New site builds are a little more difficult in this regard, but they are still faster and quicker with a product like the team I've just described. Mm -hmm. And Don, I do want to get into a little more detail about uh, front hall and back hall and, and some of the other roles in deploying networks, but I do want to come back to uh, the carrier mentality of separating site acquisition from uh, construction. Um, what are you seeing in terms of trends in that area? More and more the carriers are beginning to ask for and lean on turnkey providers such as SAC Wireless. That's why we've gotten into this point where we've got this diverse group of services and, and disciplines. It's because to be a tier one vendor for the carrier, the one-stop shopping is something that we've discovered that they actually prefer. Project management becomes easier. Accountability is more apparent and quality control is definitely uh, uh, something that we've heard more from them when they've asked for turnkey services. So as I mentioned earlier, even though some carriers uh, are, are not and totally ingrained in the turnkey philosophy yet. You know, carrier A, we would probably do a piece of the site act or some of the construction, perhaps the integration and optimization. But for carrier B and turfing models, especially, we're gonna do all of those services from end to end. Got it. Well, before we leave site acquisition entirely, um, to the extent you're comfortable talking about it, uh, what, what sort of salary ranges do you see for site act people, kind of entry level versus senior roles? and? Um, you know, what's a career track look like for a SIDAC person? Is that for, for me first, Jeff? Either one of you. If you're talking, go ahead and continue. So, uh, I guess it's a, a fortunate thing as a vice president of engineering that they don't let me talk too much or see too much of the salaries from our talent coordination side. 
Um, so I'm not going to, I don't think I want to get nailed down to a range, especially for those watching who may be coming to SAC to apply for a position. Uh, I would say, though, that uh, in our field, there's plenty of work and that it's very lucrative and that anyone who is interested in coming to a great company that can offer a good benefits package and salary, take a look at our website. Well, now we got the politically correct answer from Don. Now, Patty, can you share some insight or... Uh... Or am I going to have to go do some homework and, and, and start posting up some um, salary ranges? Um, I would say this. Uh, the level of effort for site acquisition or a zoning person has not really changed in the outdoor world or even in the indoor small cell world. So I think you're going to look at salaries at, as being pretty much comparable to what they are today. The, um, you know, it takes time to negotiate a pole attachment agreement and probably about the same amount of time as it takes to negotiate a traditional lease for a macro site. So I don't think you're going to see a significant change in how the salaries are structured. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, maybe spend a little bit of time. Uh, uh, Don, you and I had a discussion about front hall and back hall and high voltage versus low voltage. Can you maybe expand on that conversation a little bit or, and, and tie it into specific types of jobs that uh, your company might be hiring? Sure. Um, as many in the industry know, and I'm actually working on the Innovation and Technology Committee uh, for the PCIA on a paper that we'll present at HeadNet this fall in Los Angeles, uh, front hall and back hall is we just don't have nearly enough of either for the industry for the next two decades, especially going into the 5G world. Um, we're we're going to quantify that more in the paper, um, but the basic problem that we're going to have is delivery of bandwidth, and, and, and the RF layer notwithstanding, um, without good front hall and back hall infrastructure, we are not going to get there. So um, to do this, we're going to need a lot of folks uh, like uh, uh, Patty discussed, uh, specialists that can deal with uh, local, county, state, and federal uh, agencies to expedite these processes and problems. Uh, so we're looking for those kind of folks. If you look, you can see on this website that we have a variety of project management type positions open and a variety of DAS positions open. We believe, as, as, as many in the industry do, um, that 30 to 40 percent of the money that's going to be spent in the industry is going to be going towards DAS and outdoor small cell indoor and outdoor small cell. Uh, in fact, the IAEE report that the PCIA published about two years ago now points this out. So as you can see from the site, there are a lot of these positions open for those things. Um, and and the, the tower technicians, as we mentioned earlier, are obviously the biggest need in the, indus in the industry right now. Next are low voltage cabling types, guys with electrical experience and folks that can do the kind of uh, AZP work that Patty has discussed already. So they're all very important. And, and, and you can see from our website that we're hunting for many of these folks. And uh, um, if you're interested, please check our site out. Um, why don't we talk maybe about the next uh, set of big trends? Uh, and, and you've got a good segue there, Don, with 30, 30 to 40% uh, the capital expenditures by the carriers going towards DAS or small cell. Uh, what do you see as kind of the, the career demands over the next 18 months? Specific um, jobs. 
Yeah, specific jobs are going to be tower climbers, as I've already mentioned. Uh, RF engineers are going to be needed in mass as the networks lower and densify uh, uh, proper operation and uh, optimization of these networks is going to be very important. Frequency reuse is going to become an issue, so a lot of RF engineering positions are going to be uh, necessary and, and skill sets are going to be uh, added to do that. Um, the, the, the next thing I think it's going to be important are the construction crews, directional borers, guys that can do under, underground and pole attachment work. And then folks to do the leasing and zoning and the other AZP pieces, obviously, 60% uh, of the expenditures associated with or more associated with heterogeneous networks are going to be site development and upfront expenses. Preparatory work is very important in these, uh, in these areas. And it's, it's, it's tedious and, and it's because of the diversity of government requirements from municipality to municipality, from state to state, from county to county. These, these people have to have tribal knowledge as well as national code knowledge and getting them ready is going to be a very big challenge. And Patty, I know you've got one major position you're looking for, but uh, talk about that position and maybe talk about just some of the big trends that you see that you just know are gonna be in high demand. Okay. Um, our biggest thing that we're constantly looking for is outside plant engineering. And I think that I'm not the only one that's looking for that. The carriers, all the other companies, everybody's looking for that outside plant person because there's not a lot of them. Um, the David Tree Company, we have a lot of guys that are out and are familiar with the power company rules. So we have a base to pull from that's probably a little bit easier than most. Uh, so we do have a, a lot of that expertise that we can groom in-house. Um, the other thing uh, that Don made a really good point about construction. I spend a lot of time with construction companies working with them. Go get qualified with your local power company now. It takes a long time. It's a difficult process. And sometimes you have to get um, qualified both on the comm space side and on the pole top side to work in the supply space or the electrical space. And they're not always the same thing, but that's gonna be a huge situation. We're gonna run into um, the current companies that are out that are qualified to work on utility poles tend to be union-based companies. The wireless industry typically does not is not able to support that type of um, monetary outlay in a construction process. So that's gonna be a huge, huge issue. And I work, with, like I said, I work with the construction companies all the time and I'm telling them all the time, go get qualified. Because you have to, I mean, it's not just one power company. If, it's, if you're working with this power company and this municipality and that municipality and this power company, all of a sudden a, a HET net um, could cover four different places and you may have to go get qualified with four different entities. So that's a big deal. Got it. Well, we're, we've come up on, on the end of our, our time today. I can't thank uh, Don and Patty enough for joining us, and, and thank you for watching Inside Telecom Careers. In future weeks, we're going to be talking about the tower climbers. We're going to be talking about some of the PCIA programs that uh, are in place to help develop tower climbers. And uh, again, Patty, Don, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jeff. It's been my pleasure. Me too. Patty, have a great day. You thank too. you. Inside Telecom Careers is a production of RCR-TV News. To reach Jeff Mucci or to suggest a show topic for Inside Telecom Careers, you can reach him at jmucci at rcrwireless.com. For all telecom-related news and information, please visit rcrwireless.com. 
To connect with the industry's top talent, please visit telecomcareers.net.